We're good? All right. So, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, he's talking about them needing to wait. He's getting ready to go. And then 10 days later, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to happen. So, it's about 120 of them in the upper room, it says. And then Acts chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me, please. Verse 1, Acts 2, 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were Dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this, at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Uh, and then he lists them, verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Eliamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians or Arab Arabians, yeah. And we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, verse 14, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through Him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised Him up loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. 
Well, I'll stop there. Can you imagine this day, what it was like if you would have been in Jerusalem and, and this happened? I mean, here they were basically not knowing what was going to happen. They were probably in hiding more than anything else, but they were obedient to the Lord. We've talked about that. They, they stayed. They waited. They're waiting for the power from on high. But this morning, I want us to realize how Jesus lived for this day. Jesus lived for this moment in history. And we always thought it was the cross. But I think it's this day. Think about it, if you will. He left the glory of heaven. He laid everything aside. His divinity, His glory, His power, everything that He had in heaven, He laid it aside. He emptied Himself, Philippians says. To come to earth to die for us so that the Father could pour out His Spirit upon us and the Father would once again have a people for Himself. All people. Not just the Jewish people, which is how He got Jesus down here, but for all people now. Jesus came for this moment. The miracles He did he did them in obedience to the Father. Doing what he sees his Father doing. Speaking what he hears his Father saying. Obeying his Father all the way even to dying on a cross. He did it for the Father. But he did it so that the Father would be able to pour out his Spirit upon us. Upon anyone who believes and causing us to be born again spiritually. Causing us to be one with the Father again. And so everything that Jesus did, not only did He do it in obedience to the Father, but He did it for us. He did it for us so that the love of God would be shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Romans 5.5 Hallelujah. Everything Jesus did, He did in obedience to the Father that He could pour into our hearts the Holy Spirit. He did it for us. Was it hard for Jesus to leave the Father and all of heaven to come to us? Certainly it was. I'm sure it was difficult until he considered the reward of us. Of us being united with the Father in total forgiveness, in total freedom from sin, in total freedom from the power of sin, in total freedom from the enemy, God's enemy and therefore our enemy as well. Was it hard for him to leave? I'm sure it was. But then he kept thinking, okay, but if I go and I'm obedient to the Father, then he's going to pour out his Spirit and all mankind will be saved or have that opportunity. Was it hard for him? Yes. 
Was it hard for Jesus to perform all the miracles that He did? Knowing the day was coming where we could do the same? Think about it. When He did a miracle, did He have us on His mind thinking that someday they're going to do what I'm doing? Isn't that amazing? I mean, he, I believe He did those miracles thinking about us and thinking someday God's going to have the freedom to pour out His Spirit upon us and we're going to be able to do the same things that He did because the same Spirit that is in Him, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in us now. Hallelujah. And He's going to live with us forever. Just think about it. Because before Jesus came, it says that the Holy Spirit would come and He would rest on somebody. He would visit on, but He couldn't stay. But now He's, not only does He stay, but He's living inside of us. He's dwelling inside of us. Never to leave us. And so the miracles that Jesus did, He did it as an example for us, but also to, to let everybody know that He was God, but also to let us know that when the Spirit of God comes upon us, we have the same power. Oh. Was it hard for Jesus to endure all the beating before the cross and then the brutality of the cross? Absolutely. Until He remembered that once He declared that it was finished, He knew the Father had the last word to speak concerning His children. And He declared salvation had come to all. And that salvation included the ability of the Father to release the Holy Spirit into His people, changing our hearts and bringing us out of the traps the enemy has trapped us in. Out of the miry clay pits that we found ourselves in. And the lies and the anguish of sin in our lives. God now had the opportunity to pour out His Spirit upon us. And so when He was going through all of that, through the brutality before the cross and the brutality of the cross, He did it remembering us. He did it with us on His mind, knowing that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on us in a few days. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, please. What once held us bound, Jesus knew that when He finished the cross, when He got to the other side, that we would become a free people because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the Scriptures, the, the Holy Spirit is often depicted as oil. And I just want to share this you know, I would say that this is probably a personal opinion, but I think it's truthful concerning this and concerning how God works. When, when you know how God works, you can see how He would have done something like this. In Luke chapter 7, we're going to find ourselves reading where Jesus was anointed with expensive oil. So, verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. 
one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. All right. Anybody can relate, right? You know, it just strikes me the way they portray this because this is what the enemy does, right? He lies to us all the time. I mean, he tells us, you're a sinner. You can't be doing these things. And behold, a woman of this city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair or wiped the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so this is the Pharisee, okay? This is what he says. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, so he hasn't spoken this out. It's in his heart. But Jesus knows what's in his heart, and so he answers him. So be careful. I mean, that should be a light bulb moment for us if we haven't figured it out. He knows what's in our heart, even if we don't speak it. And if you haven't figured this out yet anyways, God's after our hearts more than anything else. Verse 40, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. So I would think that Simon probably thought something great was just going to be said for him. It would be if he would be able to handle it. Verse 41, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, which was customary. This is what they were supposed to do. But Simon didn't do it. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, which was customary when you would come into a house. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. 
for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who, are, who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go, to peace. Go in peace. Now, I read this because I want to highlight the fact that she anointed his feet. And that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit throughout all of Scripture. If you read this account in John, I believe it's in chapter 7, but don't hold me on that. Or 12. And it says that the aroma from the ointment filled the whole house. So, and this was very expensive ointment. This was cost somebody almost a year's wages, if you look at it. So that's expensive perfume. It's like top of the line. So not only does it smell, but it smells good. All right? And so as John tells us this, and as we read from the account in Luke, I just wonder, as Jesus is being beaten, as He's being brutally tortured, even before the cross, I wonder if at moments in those times that He would get a, a, a sniff of that aroma that was on His feet, and it gave Him strength. It gave him an assurance that the Father was working even through all of this because he, in his mind he would know that that smell was from the oil and that oil would be what God was getting ready to pour out on His people. The Holy Spirit when this was said and done. And so I just wonder if God allowed her to do that because this was just before the crucifixion that, that God allowed her to do that so that when He was brutally beaten for us, when He was hanging on the cross, maybe He lowered His head as He was hanging on the cross and that aroma came up and it assured Him that God was in this. Because it certainly didn't look like God was in it. And so I'm saying, we started off realizing that Jesus did this for us. He, went, he lived for us. He lived for this moment when the Father would be able to pour out His Spirit upon us. And that oil and the smell, the aroma from that oil reminded Him of the faithfulness of His Father. And I, I imagine He's sitting there, or He's going through all of this and He's hanging on the cross and He's thinking to Himself, alright, we're almost there. Joel's almost going to be released. The prophecy of Joel is going to be fulfilled in a little while. As he remembered, as he smelt the aroma and remembered the promise of God. Jesus lived and he died for this day when you and I are made one spiritually with our Father because we're born again by the power of the Holy Spirit that is poured out because of Jesus.
If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read the accounts of, in all four Gospels here, of John making the declaration of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says this. And this is John the Baptist speaking. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. Meaning, they were coming to him and they were repenting. He was baptizing them. And then as Jesus finished his, as he went through the cross, he was securing salvation for them. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he, speaking of Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Mm. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, okay, let me, let's go on. Verse 12. His winnowing fork is at his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So Jesus lived for this day when God would be free to pour out his spirit upon all mankind. Mark chapter 1, please. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. John appeared. Baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So this is the baptism of repentance. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized with him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Mm. I don't understand them. But I don't have to. But I do thank God for them. For John, not the locusts. Verse 7, And he preached saying, now this is John speaking, John the Baptist speaking, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm wanting to get us to see that Jesus lived for this day to happen. He came, he left all of heaven, he did the miracles, he died for us, he went through the brutality before the cross, during the cross. He did it all so that the Father would have the freedom to pour out His Spirit upon our lives. Luke chapter 3. Now, here's, I, I haven't seen this before, but I saw it this time. This, this amazes me. All of these are right at the beginning of the Gospels. Every one of these is right at the very beginning of the gospel, just before Jesus starts his ministry. And to me, it's, it's letting us know this is why he came. 
John is letting us know this is why Jesus came to the earth. So that the Father would be able to pour out His Spirit upon us. And we would have the Holy Spirit and fire in our lives when Jesus has finished His work. It's almost as if John is prophesying this. He's saying, look, I'm baptizing you in water for repentance, for the forgiveness of your sins. But Jesus is going to come, and when He's finished, He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And he's saying this right at the beginning of His ministry. Why? To get us to understand this is why Jesus came. I mean, I'm, I, I'm so grateful that Jesus came to forgive me of my sins. That He shed His blood for, for me to be made whole with the Father. To be made one with the Father again through being born again. But how much more do we need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit in our lives and to realize that God did all of this so that there was a day coming when He could pour out His Spirit on all of mankind, on anyone who would believe in Him. Which brings us to the point of, do we even pay attention to the Holy Spirit in our lives? Are we, are we allowing Him to have His work in us? Or do we just take Him for granted? Or do we just lay Him aside and we don't do anything with Him? Look, if Jesus went through all that He went through in order for the Father to pour out His Spirit upon us, shouldn't we ought to pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Luke chapter 3, verse 15. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is, at his, is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And so Jesus lived for this day when the Father would be able to pour out His Spirit upon all mankind. John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. Verse 29. We're, this is John speaking again and he's telling of John the Baptist and he had already said some things about the Lamb of God, but John one twenty nine. The next day he saw Jesus, speaking of John the Baptist, coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, 
He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is He who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. And so Jesus lived. He came as a baby. He grew up. He lived. He did the miracles. He did all that we saw. But He lived to die so that we could have the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to understand how needy we are of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How important it is that we pay attention to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus went, all, went through all that He went through so that you and I could be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. If Jesus went, went through all that He went through to make the Holy Spirit available to us, we ought to do whatever it takes in our lives to have the full effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives and on our lives. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says this. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know this is one of my favorite scriptures. We use this for, I don't know, about six months, a while back. And I don't apologize for it because it's necessary. John 16, 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And this, this is Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. You see, there's an advantage that Jesus is saying that there is an advantage for Him to come and live and to die for us and to go back to heaven because the advantage is then the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon us. And Jesus says that's to our advantage. And I just want to ask you, are you taking full advantage of the advantage that God has given us of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Is He something to you or is He not something to you? Can you, if, if, look, if you can live without the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you have to question your salvation. You can't make it as a believer without Him living and moving and changing us. You can go through the motions. You can do all the right things, but it's the necessity of the Holy Spirit in us. And us being aware of that for Him to have His full advantage in us. And for us, you know, if you're ever going to take advantage of somebody, now's the time to take advantage of the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that is now poured into our lives. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. We're almost done. (laughs) 
the Holy Spirit being poured out on Pentecost and, and now upon everybody who would believe was the promise that God made with Abraham when he cut the covenant with him. And now it's fulfilled in Jesus. And I, I just... We have to understand this is why Jesus left heaven and came to die for us. You see, Jesus died for much more than us being able to receive salvation and to know that we're going to heaven when we die someday. He died for more than that. He died so that, yes, while we're living down here, we know one day we're going to go to heaven. But He also poured out His died so that the Father could pour out His Spirit to us. And what we read according to Acts, that there would be power that comes upon us when we receive the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you, we're going to look at that next week and probably the week after that. But I'm going to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives probably like we've never understood it before or seen it before. Okay? So I encourage you to come back. If you don't come back, at least listen to it on the... Um, Website, podcast, whatever you do. Because Jesus died for more than just our salvation. He died for the Father to be able to pour out His Spirit upon us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 12 says this, But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that, verse 14, here it is. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So Abraham started the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. And God worked through them. But now the promise is not just to Abraham and his people, and God's, but to everyone now. Gentiles are everybody that aren't Jewish, okay? Verse 14, let me read it again, and you start it off. So that, thank you very much. And there's another one coming, so make sure you're paying attention. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. You know, the enemy would love nothing more than you to put aside the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If he can't keep you from becoming born again, his next opportunity, his next strategy is to keep you away from the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Plain and simple. Because if, if the Holy Spirit isn't alive and active in your life, you're powerless. Plain and simple. You might be born again. You might be on your way to heaven. But you're going to have a hell of a life down here. You're going to be wishing you could do a whole lot of things and you can't do them. But when you understand the need and the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when you understand that 
Jesus came to die so that the Father could pour out His Spirit upon us, it ought to click in us somewhere down the line. We ought to pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We ought to give Him as much attention as we can. Acts chapter 1, please. Jesus lived for this day to happen when God would be free to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. <clears throat> we opened with this. <clears throat> this message, we opened with it, but I just want to read this portion again. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Stand with me. Jesus lived for this day. He lived for this day. He lived for the day that the Father would be able to pour out His Spirit upon all who would believe. How are you living for this day? Are you excited about the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you expecting the Holy Spirit to do something great in your life? Or are you just casting Him aside? And you pay no attention to Him? Are you just living life, if you don't understand, ho-hum, Living as weak Christians, giving ourselves to whatever makes us feel good, even when it goes against God's Word, because that's what happens when we don't give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. You've heard me before tell you that I need as much of God as I can get for my life. And I know you do too. The more you have of God, the better person you're going to be. And the more you are willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, the better off you are going to be, the better off this world is going to be, the better off those in your family are going to see you. And so it's important that we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And I'm hoping that this morning it is at least Causing a curiosity to arise within you. The need for the Holy Spirit. Because we need Him. Jesus died for this. And then I'm just going to close with this. There's people that will say, well, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Well then, get rid of the rest of your Bible too. 
Because it says that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, they spoke in tongues. If they did it then, and that was the start of the church, this, hear me out. To bring an end to the church, we ought to be a people who are speaking in tongues. And you can go through the Scriptures in Acts, and you can see where it was evidence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so I just want to encourage you, do not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Begin to search out the Scriptures on your own. It doesn't matter what your opinion is of the Holy Spirit if it doesn't agree with God's Word. You can say to yourself, well, I don't need them. Okay, guess what? You don't need them then. But you're not going to be fruitful. And you will be miserable. Because you'll know that there's more out there, but you just don't know how to get to it. Care? Yes. Okay. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. Thank you for the privilege of being born again. And Jesus said that we have to be born again because of the Holy Spirit or from the Holy Spirit. That which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. And Father, Your desire is for us not just to be born again by the Spirit, but to be baptized in the Spirit as well. And Father, I pray that You would release Your baptism of the Holy Spirit into this place. And not just the baptism, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire as we've read, Father. Lord, we want all of You. We, we need You to have the freedom to work in us. And Father, I pray that You would stir a, a hunger in each one of us for Your Holy Spirit. Not just to be born again, but to, to give ourselves as much as possible to the Holy Spirit. Father, if there's somebody in here who doesn't even know You, that's the first step. Is to give their lives to You. To be forgiven of their sins. But Lord, that's only the first step. The next step is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Father, place it within us. Cause us to hunger for it. Let us not be content with trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Alright, go have a great week. Be blessed. If you need prayer for any reason, feel free to come up. We'll be delighted to pray with you.